From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Greta Johnson. We did it. We made it to another weekend. Coming up, a Nerdette listener and her kid help us figure out what the heck is going on with teenagers who don't want driver's licenses. I just want to point out that you never do that walk and I drive you. I always walk. You always I often walk. But first, it's our chance to sit back, relax, and unwind from the week that was with two excellent humans. With us this week, we have the co-hosts of the podcast, Just Between Us, Gabe Dunn and Allison Raskin. Hi, you two. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having us. Okay, so let's jump in. There's this really weird story that caught our attention this week. It was an op-ed from the New York Times about credit card rewards programs, which is essentially saying that... The reason more affluent people can rack up points is because of the fees that companies are charging people who can't pay off the balances on their cards and just credit card transactions in general. This is something I had never thought about, but of course now I feel gross. Um, Gabe, you are literally the host of a podcast called Bad With Money. Does this surprise you at all? It actually did surprise me. But I shouldn't be because as the host of that show, what started as me just asking questions about money has literally become, I think we should burn down the Bank of America. So Mm. I should have understood where that was coming from, too. And also, like, when you get these points, what it's taking away from. So if you're using points to get something, the only people who are able to get those things are people who are using credit card points strategically and not using it because they need to pay medical bills or their car broke down or anything like that. Um, And that just had not occurred to me that there would be a ceiling on on uh, who's able to use those. And then it doubly didn't occur to me that they're able to make up the money from them by basically uh, overcharging other people um, who are paying large interest rates because they can't pay the stuff back on time. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. It reminded me of um, I got flown to L.A. a couple months ago for this work thing and they flew me first class and I got like the lovely meal and the free drinks. And it was just such an interesting moment of like sitting in the seat and looking around and being like, oh, this this is how this works. Right. It's like the people who get the free stuff get more free stuff and capital Uh begets capital. There is no like, oh, you know, who could really use a break is like these people who do have really high medical bills or whatever. Like maybe they should have some extra bonus points, you know? Yeah, I was most surprised. I mean, I guess I it wasn't like a a large leap for me to say that like the overdraft fees or the um or the late fees were supplementing the points. I was more surprised that that it said that that things in general the prices yeah. are higher regardless of if you pay for it with cash or debit or credit card because these retailers know they're going to have to pay the credit card fee and so they're just inflating prices across the board and not just for people using credit cards and so that was where I was really like we got to burn it down because that's (laughs) do you know what I mean like it's wild because these people aren't even engaging in the credit card system they're not even like oh i I'm late and therefore I have to do this thing I signed I would do. They're just trying to buy stuff and it's right. like they even, just need milk or whatever. Right. Yeah. Because I've been places where they'll say like, oh, if you use your credit card, it will cost more or like, sure. you know, but that it was like blanket. We're raising prices for this problem was like, oh, no, everything is as bad as we suspected. <laughs> 
I mean, this it's so shocking in this piece. They mention uh, the Federal Reserve did a report that came out late last year, and they estimated an annual redistribution of $15 billion in rewards value from poor people to richer people, from low education people to highly educated people, and from diverse communities to less diverse communities. That is like such a shocking number to me. Yeah. You know, and then it's also this very strange thing. I mean, you talked about sitting in first class. Uh, this is a horrible thing, but I, I was in first class for a work thing as well. And I was sitting in, in first class and a mom and her son walked by and uh, the son said, why don't we get to sit up here? Mm. And the mom said, well, if you work really hard one day, you'll be able to sit up here. And I said, and I, in my head was like, that's literally not true. Mm. That's absolutely not true. Oh my God. Other than one time, when I pre 9-11, I answered a trivia question about Charlotte's Web correctly when I was six years old and I won sitting in first class by myself and I left my whole family in economy. So <laughs> which is a story I have heard so many times because <laughs> it remains one of the most proud moments of Gabe's life. It was incredible. <laughs> this is, As it should be. I would talk about it all the time, too. Well, there's the meritocracy. It's right there. Yeah. It's it's which of the people in this line has read a book. And it was me at six years old. Okay, so in other news, uh, this weekend is daylight saving time and the moon may get its own time zone, which is just completely blowing my mind. I have to say I'm just extremely ready for a nap this week. But there's another story about time that caught our attention, which is that last week, the social media platform TikTok announced that it's going to limit kids to one hour a day of usage. Um, of course, the app isn't going to like auto destruct. It's going to ask for a password once anyone under 18 watches for more than an hour. I feel weird about this, but my main TikTok intake is like through Instagram because I am a very old lady. I know both of you are actually on TikTok. Allison, what do you think? I like it. I mean, it's hard, right? I think like we are in uncharted territory Mm. with social media and children. And I imagine that it is really difficult for parents to figure out the right way to navigate it and to create boundaries, especially when children's friends do not have the same boundaries. Mm. And so there is something to the idea that this will be universal. So it won't be like, oh, come on, mom, Caroline gets seven hours a day on TikTok, you know? Um, Yeah. So it's tricky. I like do I find it to be like a horrible injustice that like a, a eight year old can't be on for more than an hour? Not really, but it is mm. like a weird way for a company to like set rules for its users. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that's why I'm conflicted about it too. Especially when you see all these stats, you know, especially around like adolescent, like teen girls and their like anxiety and you know self image issues and all that. And it's like. Uh, is an hour of TikTok a day really going to help solve that situation? I have a spicy reply. Uh-oh, here we Ooh, go. Yay. What do you think? So when I was younger and I was closeted and I uh, I spent a lot of time on the mm. computer, a lot. I was on Live Journal. Uh, I That was the only access I had to other queer people was through the internet. And I wasn't out to my parents. And my parents would have been completely fine, but there are other people's parents who... Uh, would not allow them to have access to these things. And I think the internet to me was a complete blessing. Mm. So I understand a lot of the stuff about screen time and about making sure that kids, you know, are safe and everything like that. But just like my flip side argument, when I hear stuff like this, it's hard for me to not think of 
a, a closeted trans kid in the middle of America whose parents are Republicans, who the only access they have to other trans people is through TikTok. Um, and I think that there's been a lot of really positive queer representation on TikTok. So I have like a really two minds of it. Like, was I 13 on message boards with adults where it was probably dangerous? Mm. And I probably was seeing a lot of adult stuff that I shouldn't have seen. Absolutely. What would I have done if I didn't know that there were queer adults out in the world living their lives and being happy and getting married and all of this stuff? I don't know that I would have survived high school. Well, I think especially in the wake of all this anti-trans legislation and drag shows being banned, you know, it's like this, to your point, is a place where a lot of these kids aren't going to get access to this stuff otherwise. And I think that's actually super important. Yeah, it's hard because I have a, I have a, a, a setup on my phone where it kicks me off TikTok after an hour. Mm. Um, that being said, I do put in the password. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah what about you Allison like how much do you actively use it in any given day do you know so much it's bad um <laughs> yeah I mean I'm on it a lot but I also like I I try to use it in a way where what I'm seeing is like what I want to see except for which I've talked about with Gabe that I'm in this real problem I'm in this I'm in this part of TikTok that is animals that are dying and need oh. donations oh god and so oh, i say tiktok really is bad up. for my mental health only yeah. because of that oh my god <laughs> and i have wow. a thing where i feel so guilty that i won't just hit not interested so tiktok will stop <laughs> showing it to me every time i have to hit like and then i scroll past it as fast as Wow, it's like the Sarah McLaughlin commercials really got you. Oh, I couldn't watch that commercial. I'd have to turn the TV no, off. No, oh no. Oh my god, totally. that's uh-huh. such a like hilarious and awful moral quandary that you. Found yeah, yourself. I'm I'm trapped in it. It's not good. I uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it's really tricky, right? And you know, I'm in school for psychology, and there's a lot of talk about like the the role of of social media, and so as someone who's built their career on social media and then, you know, I, I didn't have the same relationship with, with the internet as Gabe did, but knowing so many people did and that it was such a safe haven Mm -hmm. for them. And I don't think the answer is like, we got to get rid of this thing. I think it is Mm -hmm. like, how do we make some changes so people are more mindful of the content they're interacting with? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I want to go from there to another age-related story. There was a recent Atlantic article that I thought was really interesting. It was by Jennifer Senior, and it's all about, like, the gap between how old you feel and how old you really are. And, you know, it's like if if the you in your head is a different age than, like, the literal you. I think it's a really charming idea. So I'm 37. I don't think my brain is 37. I think sometimes my brain is, like, 57, and sometimes my brain is 7. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of depends on how many snacks and naps I've had lately. <laughs> I think that, like, in terms of, like, how I self-identify in my head, yeah, I feel yeah. like I identify as being 30 years old, even mm. though I'm 33. Okay. So, like, I always get, like, caught up where it's like, oh, wow, I'm already 33. But, like, I don't think of myself as being in my 20s at all, if that makes mm, sense. Like, I feel very much like I'm in my 30s and by one day or whatever. <laughs> I just got here. <laughs> I think in terms of, like, actual, like, personality and, like, what I like and 
and, and care about, I'm my brain age is probably about 50. <laughs> yeah. I just like, I've always meant to be old. Like, in yeah, a lot that's of how I feel too. Yeah. Like, I'm like, just going to age into it and it's going right? to be great. <laughs> and like growing up, like I had a really hard time with other kids. I had like yeah. a lot of social issues and my mom was like, but you always got along well with adults. <laughs> <laughs> just, just wait for it, babe. You're doing yeah. great. <laughs> I go through a lot of phases, but I'm always, uh, I'm more of a partier. So... <laughs> I go like I I go out like I'm out you know on the weekends I'm yeah. like I know that you know 34 I'm feeling a little bit where like the the fellow people at the club are younger than me now <laughs> that makes me uh, think of that Steve Buscemi we're meme. like yeah how, how do you do fellow youths? kids yeah <laughs> we're like I'm still out at the club, but I'm definitely, and also I'm trans. So I look very young. Mm. So like now the like 25 year olds will be like, you're what? Like they don't, (laughs) they're shocked. Um, And I think they are like 34. Certainly you shall be in a crypt by now. Like, um, how are you still awake at this hour? Wow, 34. I had one where this, where my, my boyfriend is 31 and he was talking about this other guy and he was like, oh yeah, uh, we were both talking about how we have older boyfriends. And I was like, shut the fuck, shut <laughs> it's up. It's true though. Shut up. He was like, yeah, his boyfriend's like 35. And I was like, <laughs> shut up. Um, but I don't mind aging. I like aging. I think it's great. I'm happy. To, it's a privilege to get older. So I'm happy about it. But, you know, I'm, I'm out in the club uh, and then I'm feeling it the next day. <laughs> I bet. (laughs) That's delightful. Well, yeah, the piece mentions that apparently adults over 40 perceive themselves to be on average about 20 percent younger than their actual age. And I actually I feel a lot of times like it's less about age and more about like how long you've been out of something or like what life stage you're in or, you know what I mean? Like, do you have children? Like if you have children at 26, your lifestyle is very different than like a single 35 year old. Yeah. I think there is always that common touch point though, of like how much you loved that song from third eye blind when you were in eighth grade or not, (laughs) you know? It's like that's when just, I was in eighth grade. You mean no I just put it on my wedding must playlist? <laughs> yes, of absolutely. Semi charmed life, baby. That song's about heroin. I thought it was about crystal meth. Yeah, it's about, it's about something meth. bad. Get whatever with it, is. it, Gabe. Yeah, sorry. God, Gabe. <laughs> oh my God! Will you please come back every week? This is so much fun. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Anytime. <laughs> In just a minute, we are going to attempt to answer the question, why aren't teenagers driving anymore? Last month, Bryce Herring turned 15. That is the age when they could finally get a driver's permit in Arlington, Virginia, where they live. But they are in no rush to get to the DMV, which has their mom, Kim, completely confounded. I was the opposite. I got my permit the day that I was eligible, and Bryce has been eligible for a month now. Kim, Bryce's mom, is a Nerdat listener, and when we first came across a story about the decline in teen driving, we posted a link to it in our Facebook group, Nerdat Headquarters, and Kim chimed right in. 
because it turns out Bryce isn't alone. According to the Federal Highway Administration, 40 years ago in 1983, 80% of 18-year-olds in the United States had a driver's license. In 2021, that number was down to 60%. This is one of those stories about teenagers driving, but it's also about so much more than that. And I think it really exemplifies a lot of the generational differences that we're seeing in this new group of teenagers, too. I mean, sure, they're still dealing with SATs and hormones, but put a pandemic and mental health and ubiquitous technology and climate change on top of that, and it's a really different situation. The whole thing is definitely an ongoing conversation in the Herring household. So we asked Bryce and Kim to hash it out for us. So Bryce, why are you not super excited to start driving on your own so your mother doesn't have to drive you everywhere? I I can basically just walk everywhere. I don't have to drive places. So it's just that you don't have to? Yeah, I don't have to, nor do I want to. Why do you not want to? I think that's a good question. Driving's dangerous, I guess. Um, Okay. People here, Maryland drivers, don't really know how to drive correctly. And I don't know. I just, it's just easier to walk places. Do you think you would be more interested if we lived somewhere that was not a city? Yeah, definitely. Because if it takes 20 minutes to drive to school, then I will get a license sooner. But it doesn't. It takes a 20-minute walk. So... I just want to point out that you never do that walk and I drive you. I time. always walk. You know, always? I, I often walk. I don't because it's like 7 you in the morning. occasionally walk. Okay. Caitlin Gibson is a features writer for the Washington Post. It was her story that first caught our attention about this. The headline is, Why Aren't Teenagers Driving Anymore?, And when I talked to her right off the bat, I wanted to know how much this is like a pandemic blip versus a longer term decline. So even though I imagine that the pandemic probably did play a role, I think, you know, everyone went into lockdown. People were not probably super excited. I didn't want to go to the DMV. (laughs) Yeah, no, no one wants to go to the DMV. No one wants their their unvaccinated kids sitting in a car with an instructor. Mm -hmm. Like, no one was doing that. One of the the parents I spoke to, who I don't actually think wound up being quoted, but she was saying that where she lived in Michigan, there was a bit of a backlog. Like, when her daughter finally went to go, there there were a lot of kids that were waiting to get in. Hmm. So I so I do think the pandemic had something to do with it. But that said, the trend really speaks for itself and it's a very very clear descent that we're seeing in the number the number of kids. Yeah. And to me actually the thing that was kind of more compelling was this the steep drop in the number of 16-year-olds. His kids mm. like Bryce was saying, right? That they are going to get their license, they're just going to wait until they're older yeah. and they have to. Yeah. Are you going to get it eventually? Because I mean, eventually. you do a lot of activities. I mean, before... And I don't like driving. Before I graduate, I'm going to get my license. But like, mm-hmm. And you're a sophomore now. Yeah. So So in three years. Yeah, that's your timeline. Yeah, my time. timeline was like two days. Two days. I, I haven't even started studying for it yet. For your permit test? No. Yeah. <laughs> We're seeing a lot of that. Um, so the number of 16-year-olds plummeting all the way to to 25% in 2021 is really telling because the parents of this upcoming generation of kids, you know, like the mom in the interview was saying, like, did it the day I was eligible, like 15 years old, I had my, you know, learner's permit. Yeah. 
my birthday's in May. I got my driver's license in August. And even that felt like I was really late. Like I felt like I was behind everyone else who had already done this thing. Mm -hmm. And like the internet existed at that point, but it was still like not like if we wanted to interact with people our own age, we had to leave our house to do that in a way that just doesn't exist anymore. That's exactly right. And that is a huge thing that so many parents and kids have emphasized. You know, they're hanging out in digital spaces now. They're in constant communication with each other. I mean, when I was a teenager, yeah, you had to you had to use the landline to call your friends. You know what I mean? <laughs> you had to talk to their parents. Yeah, exactly. Right. You know, you, first you had to make sure that no one in your house needed to use the actual internet because that also used the phone line, right? Um, so, so yeah, it was just you 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 weren't able to just be constantly connected to your friends in that same way. And this generation really is. They're just hardwired to one another in a way where being physically present in your best friend's bedroom might not feel as vital as it did for past generations. It's so interesting. I mean, you even mention a mom that you talked to in the story who said her 19-year-old would rather look at his phone in the passenger seat than drive. Yes. And that's another thing, too, because when kids are feeling anxious about something and we mm. know we know that there's like all kinds of you know mental health challenges yeah. that a lot of kids are facing now. So if you assume the kids are already feeling a little bit anxious and then you you factor in that they aren't necessarily paying attention when their parents are driving. They're looking at their phone. So if mm. they're not looking around and they're not sort of learning what driving looks and feels like mm. from the passenger perspective, then saying, let's learn how to drive might feel that much more frightening and intimidating yeah. because it's really kind of foreign if you haven't really been looking around and absorbing hmm. it in that way. That's a good point. Well, I, I think the other one, too, is, you know, the the temptation of looking at your phone while driving, yes. which I think, you know, all of us deal with. But especially if you've grown up with that thing, you know, as an extra appendage, practically. Absolutely. That's intense. Hugely so. I mean, I imagine you're like me, right? Where if you leave your house and you realize you don't have your phone with you, oh God, you're like, man. oh my God, right. And yet we're old enough to remember what it, what it felt like to regularly leave the house without a cell phone. But these yeah. kids have never known that existence. Yeah. I think it's really interesting to hear Kim and Bryce in their conversation, partly because you hear Kim's concern as a parent around safety and issues and like empathy towards wanting to make sure that Bryce feels safe and, you know, is making good choices. But then also that frustration around like you go to so many activities and I don't want to drive you. <laughs> yes. And that is huge. You know, it's I think it's a mixed thing for parents where, of course, it's like terrifying to see her kid drive away in like a giant yeah. hulking mass of steel, <laughs> you know. But on the flip side of that, like this is also supposed to be kind of a rite of passage and a time of independence for parents. Like they don't have to drive you all over the place, mm -hmm. you know, like they can also deploy you to drive places they want you to drive, you know, like one of the, <laughs> like one of the moms in my story who says yeah. like, if I need something for dinner, it'd be really cool to like tell my son to run to the store real quick Go and not tomatoes. have to do it myself. Exactly. Well, it's so funny too, because I think about about when we were teenagers and like driving was so cool you know like I remember my friend Laurel who just happened to be older enough that every than everyone so like she got her license first and it was so exciting because we could like listen to massive attack in her car or whatever <laughs> you know and it's just right. like I don't know that felt so quintessential as part of like that teenage experience it's so interesting to think that teenagers are just sort of voluntarily like eh I'm good on that <laughs> I yeah I agree um Although, you know, it is interesting to think about how when we were cruising around doing that, right, our 
moms and dads and caregivers did not have an app that told them exactly how fast we were going and whether we picked up a phone or whether we braked too fast. How many cigarettes were being like, smoked. Seriously, like, I mean, so there is that too. There's the legitimate yeah. point that like, well, for kids whose families are using one of those like Life360 or Famase for, you know, all those different apps, like... Mm are they alone in the car? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, is there that same sense of like independence and freedom when they're out yeah. cruising around and kids do mention like climate change also. And just mm. the idea of tooling around in a, you know, emissions producing vehicle. I think for some kids, they're thinking about that a little bit differently than we were, which is, I wasn't thinking about which it at all. all. Yeah, yeah. It just was not even on our radar then. So, yeah, to that end, I mean, do you I know this is impossible to predict, but like it is pretty easy to imagine that this could really shift our relationships to cars in the future decades from now. It does seem to be moving in that direction. I mean, and it is it is difficult to predict. And there are so many different factors kind of affecting the equation here. But I do think, you know, by and large, we do hear kids in this generation just being really clear about the fact that for them, it's kind of more a necessity than something, Mm -hmm. something Mm -hmm. fun. And so that does make you think, you know, maybe the future will involve people who more people who, if they live in a community where driving isn't necessary, they choose not to drive. They choose not to own cars. Actually, I jotted down as Bryce was talking, Mm. they, they said that it was that all of it just sort of seemed like a hassle. Oh, yes. Yes. I honestly just don't really know how to get my permit. It's just such a hassle and I don't feel like doing it. It is a more complicated process. Um, you have to have all these paperwork and I mean, the permit is pretty easy, but then the you have to have hours of driving. You have to drive with me. We have to do a driving school. We have to go to court and swear that you are going to be a good driver and be responsible or something. I don't know. This is what I've been told about the process. So that's, that's pretty complicated. That kind of jumped out to me a little bit because again, like what we hear all the time from kids when we talk to them right now about any number of topics is that they feel just hugely overwhelmed um, and just kind of some of them feel overscheduled, but just, I mean, overwhelmed in almost kind of a more existential sense, because this is kind of an overwhelming time to be alive and (laughs) and an especially overwhelming time to be like coming of age and figuring out who you are and what the world is going to be like that you inhabit. So, and I mean, on one hand, that sounds like I'm talking about, like, it sounds funny to take something big and sweeping and existential and then pull it down into a conversation about a driver's license. But of course, those huge existential feelings affect absolutely everything. Yeah, I could see. I mean, I think I'm doing that in my own life, right? It's like, what what is stressful that I don't have to do? What can I get away with avoiding? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, that's like survival. That's like just basic survival for all yeah. of us. So you can totally yeah. see how this just might not feel like the urgent necessity that it that it was for the parents' generation. Well, Caitlin, thank you so much. I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. This was lovely.
All right, that's it for this week. Special gold star shout out to Kim and Bryce. Thank you so much for taking the time to record yourselves. Y'all are just delightful. Bryce, I support your decisions, but I do hope that you are at least thanking your mother for driving you around so much. It is a whole new month. Somehow we are already in March, which means we have a new book club pick. It is Rebecca Mackay's I Have Some Questions for You. I did a spoiler-free interview with her earlier this week, so that is in the feed. You can listen to it now and start reading along with us if you've already read it we would love to hear what you think record your thoughts in your voice memos app and then email the file to nerdatpodcast at gmail.com nerdette is produced by me and anna bauman jp swenson builds our newsletter and brendan banazak is our executive producer we will see you next week nerdatpodcast at gmail i'm just saving the file oh nerdatpodcast at gmail got it nerdatpodcast at gmail amazing